Thanks for being here. Pull out your Bible, turn to Colossians chapter 1. And as you're doing that, turn to the person on your right and say, I'm glad you're here. Say to the person on your left, maybe, maybe. Colossians chapter 1. When I say the word endurance, what do you think of? What flashes through your mind? What word? What story? For most of us, it's a, it's a story. When I was thinking about the word endurance this week, I thought back to about four years ago. It was a lovely Saturday afternoon. We went to have lunch at one of my favorite places. I got my favorite thing because I'm not that creative. We went home, and I just started feeling just really bad, just really, really bad. Not sick, just bad. I took a nap thinking I could sleep it off. Woke up, still felt that way. Went back to bed, slept all night. Woke up the next morning and still felt bad. Not sick, but bad. And We went to church because if I was sick, I wanted to make sure to infect as many people as possible. You know? and, uh, halfway through church, I say to Amanda, you need to take me to the hospital. Now, I am a underreactor. If, if that word has ever described anyone in the history of the world, it, it, it's me and... So by the time I'm saying to my wife, I need to go to the hospital, I should have been in the hospital months ago. You know? And so we get up in the middle of the church, and we get our kids, and we head to the hospital. We don't have anybody to watch our kids. Everybody who could kind of babysit for us is at church somewhere in the world. And so I'm like, just drop me off. And so she drops me off in the emergency room. I go in, and I describe my symptoms. They start poking around, prodding around, uh, giving me an MRI. Uh, a little later on, she, somebody has watched our kids, and so she comes back with me. They've given me medicine by this time, and apparently I am hilarious and awesome when I am on medicine. Because we're having a great time in the room. You know, I'm not in pain anymore. She thinks I'm awesome. And she'd never been more in love than when I was on those painkillers. And, and in the middle of our happy little bubble, the surgeon walks in and he says, uh, we think it's your appendix. We're not sure. Whatever it is, it's not good. Which is exactly what you want to hear. You know, I don't know if we have any surgeons with us today. Man, God bless you in Jesus' name. But nobody wants you to walk into a room. If you are in a room, it is bad, you know. And so he comes in. He said, we're going to do surgery in about 30 minutes. And so they start getting me all ready. And long story short, they went in to pull my appendix out. And it wasn't there. It had disintegrated into a thousand pieces. It ruptured about a week before. just leaked poison into my body for a solid week. I tell you that so that you will admire me and think that I'm awesome (laughs) and super strong. No, just to give you the reality of the situation. So by, when I woke up from surgery, it was not normal appendicitis mode. I was in the hospital for quite a long time. And after a couple of days, I was really sick of being in there. You get this distinct smell when you stay in the hospital for a while. And so the nurses, they say, the more you walk, the quicker you get out of here. Well, that was the only challenge I need. And so I hobbled up out of bed. And I got my IV that's on wheels. And I'm hobbling down the, the hallways of the thing. And, you know, I'm wearing the slit gown thing and Amanda's walking behind me going, you know, and I'm like, listen, I don't even care. I don't even care because it's the first gift that the hospital gives you when you get there is they take away your dignity so that you don't care. And so I'm hobbling down the, 
the hallway, just up and down, up and down, as long as I can bear it for, uh, as fast as I can bear it. Anytime somebody else would come out and try to walk in my hallway, I'd make sure to outdo them. You know, how many, how many laps are you doing today? Well, you're doing five, I'm doing 10. Well, you got, you got the, you got the red, you know, you got the red socks on. That tells you, you can't be out here alone. I'm wearing the yellow one. I'm all clear. I'm wearing the yellow socks. That's how they can tell if you're supposed to be out of your room, by the way. You didn't know that. That's a free gift today. Um, they judge you based on the color of socks you have. And, and so when I think of the word endurance, I, I went back four years ago to me walking up and down the hallway, carrying my IV and my gown, just enduring the pain to accomplish the goal, which was to get out of the hospital as quick as possible. You may have thought of something like that. You may have thought of exercise. I sure didn't, but you may have. And you may think of sitting in traffic as something that you endure. You may be thinking of something a little bit more serious. You may be thinking of cancer. You may be thinking of loneliness. You may be thinking of depression. Maybe you have a relationship in your life. And unfortunately, that's just the best word to describe that relationship is endurance. The reality is, is that all of us carried a burden in this morning. I say that, maybe not all of us. And if you are one of those lucky people that is here this morning and you're like, I'm totally carefree. I don't have anything I'm worried about. I don't have anything I'm anxious about. I don't have anything that I'm dealing with. And you need to stop and say an extra measure of praise. And just know that next week, I'm sure you will have some burden that you carry into the place. It's just the reality of living on planet earth. But what I want to show you from the scripture today is that a miracle can happen in the midst of endurance. But it's not the miracle you're thinking of. Because the miracle you're thinking of is the resolution of whatever it is you're enduring. That's the miracle that all of us would like to drop into whatever it is we're persevering through. That it would just be easy. That whatever obstacles we have to overcome, they just somehow disappear. But that's not a promise that I can make to you today. But I can make to you a promise according to the authority of God. That a miracle can happen to you. Today, in this room, in the middle of your endurance. Colossians chapter 1. If you've uh, just joined us today for the first time, we've been making our way through Colossians. A little fast forward. Paul is writing to the church in Colossae, which is in modern day Turkey. He's not the father of that church. He didn't start it. He's more like the grandfather of the church. And he's heard some things that have bothered him. And so he's writing them this letter. And we're jumping in to the middle of a prayer that he's praying and has written down for them. In verse 11, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. May you be strengthened with all power. The more literal way to say that, say that is, may you be strengthened with strength, or may you be empowered with power according to his glorious might. So however you're being strengthened, you're being strengthened with the resources of God according to the glory of God. That's the kind of strength that's available to you. And what is the strength for? Is it to do signs and wonders? Well, not in this instance. The strength, the power of God coming to you is not for some grand display. At least here in Colossians chapter 1, it's for the purpose of endurance and patience. And endurance and patience with joy. You know, I think when we hear the word endurance and we're thinking about our relationship with God, we immediately go to our endurance. Our persevering in reading the scripture, our persevering in uh, having faith, our persevering in prayer. We think of ourselves, but really when you study the word endurance in the scripture, most of the time it's not used in connection to us, it's used in connection with God. 
that he is the one persevering. That this is not just a one-sided affair. In fact, I want to show you a perfect example, really a summary of what the scripture says about God's endurance in Psalm 136. If you want to keep a finger there in the New Testament, turn to the Old Testament there towards the middle. Psalm 136 says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who by understanding made the heavens, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the earth above the waters, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who made the great lights, for his steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day, for his steadfast love endures forever. The moon and the stars to rule over the night, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, for his steadfast love endures forever. And brought Israel out from among them, for his steadfast love endures forever. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea into, for his steadfast love endures forever and made Israel pass through the midst of it for his steadfast love endures forever but overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea for his steadfast love endures forever to him who led his people through the wilderness for his steadfast love endures forever did you notice what was happening here the psalmist is recounting the story of Israel and as he recounts the story of Israel, he inserts the phrase, for his steadfast love endures forever. So it starts with some general statements. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give praise to the Lord of lords. For his steadfast love endures forever. And then it immediately goes into an account of the creation story. God stretches out the earth above the waters. Stretches out the heavens and made the sun to shine, and inserting into the middle of this creation story over and over again the phrase, for his steadfast love endures forever, it immediately transitions to the Exodus story, how the Israelites were slaves in Egypt, and they were tired of their slavery, and it was a heavy burden for them. They cried out to God for rescue, and God did rescue them. And in the middle of this story, over and over again, for his steadfast love endures forever. And if you kept on reading through the rest of Psalm 136, you would see the story goes on further. And over and over again, the phrase, for his steadfast love endures forever. And why don't you turn to your neighbor and say that, for his steadfast love endures forever. Just making sure you're awake. It's kind of misty outside. See, when we think of endurance, we think of ourselves. But the primary perseverance in our relationship with God is not us, it's Him. His love perseveres and it perseveres steadfastly. Which is unbelievable because you think about the cycle that the Israelites lived in. You don't have to read the Bible very much to know that the Israelites were not a very consistent group of people. They would be faithful and then something would happen and they would be faithless and then some consequences would come and they'd repent. They'd be faithful again and then something would happen. They'd get distracted and they'd be faithless again. And they just constantly live in this cycle, this up and down. And I can relate to that. I know what it's like to have up and down righteousness. I know what it's like to have a hunger and desire to read the scripture in one moment. And five minutes later, it's totally gone. I know what it's like to get into a moment of prayer and think, I'm going to last. I'm going to pray this entire drive. And one minute in, I'm like, "Uh, what's on the radio? I know what it's like to decide in my house that I'm going to forgive somebody. And not just forgive, but I'm going to keep on forgiving. I'm going to 
I'm going to forgive and I'm going to release them until I see them. And then it's harder to do the right thing. So I get Israel's cycle of faithful to faithless and back and forth and back. I understand that, that up and down, which makes God's endurance of love all the more unbelievable. That while you and I are up and down in our faithfulness, he is steady in his perseverance. Which is really the better definition of endurance, I think. Because when we think of endurance, we put a negative connotation to it. Something that we begrudgingly have to do. But that's not the kind of endurance that God has for us. His love is steadfast. It's steady. So while you and I are consistently changing, he never changes. While you and I are up and down, whether we love him and and treat him accordingly and act accordingly towards him, he's always consistent with us. He perseveres and his perseverance is steady. It's immovable and unshakable. He is committed to his people. We see this as clear as can be in Hebrews chapter 12 in Jesus Because Jesus really is the personification of God's steadfast love. Hebrews chapter 12, this is what it says in verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So as he uses our word endurance twice here. Once for us, we are running with endurance, the race that's set out before us. But as we look to endure, as we look to persevere, where are we supposed to look? We're supposed to look to Jesus, the originator, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. So we look to Jesus who endured. His endurance, the same kind of endurance we see from the Father in Psalm 136, your steadfast love endures forever. His endurance is the foundation for our endurance. Sometimes it's nice to know that our relationship with God is not just one-sided because you can only feel your tug. You can only feel you pulling your weight. We don't give much thought to what weight God is holding. And how God is persevering. But the steadiness in our relationship with God does not come from us. It comes from his persevering. His endurance is the foundation for our endurance. And he endures with joy. And look what it says, despising the shame. You know, this world that we live in and the lives that we lead have an amazing way of just piling burdens on top of us, doesn't it? And sometimes those burdens can feel the way that Jesus described them as a yoke, like something just hanging around our necks. And that may be how you feel today. You may feel like there's just a lot of things just hanging around your neck. You're going to go to work tomorrow. Maybe you have some work stuff hanging around your neck. Maybe you're a homemaker and that your job is in the home and just the responsibility of the home just is just consistently hanging around your neck. Maybe you're, maybe you're having, your marriage is, is, there's some struggle there and it's like you're two ships passing in the night. How was your day? Fine. How was your day? Fine. You want to watch some TV three hours later? I'm, I'm kind of tired. I'm going to go to bed. Yeah, that sounds good. I'll see you in the morning. And that's been your relationship for a while. Maybe you're single and, and you don't really want to be single. You're, con- you're content right now, but you've got this longing in your heart and that longing can easily turn into a burden ar- around your neck. Maybe you have children 
And just, you, they don't always make the decisions that you want them to make. And that's a burden hanging around your neck. Yesterday, Annabeth, my five-year-old daughter and I, we were going to go to a daddy-daughter dance. Anybody ever been to a daddy-daughter dance? Show of hands. Yeah. So it's, I think I told you recently that I've been feeling real sentimental towards her. She just had her fifth birthday. So we wake up in the morning and, and I go, Annabeth, come over here. She goes, what? I say, you and I, we're going to go to a daddy-daughter dance today. We're going to have a date, just, just you and I. It's going to be awesome. We're going to go. We're going to dance. And it's going to be so fun. She goes, ew. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. You don't, you're not getting it. You're not getting it. We're going to get all dressed up. We're going to go. We're going to dance. It's you and dad. It's going to be awesome. I'm sure they're going to sing the Frozen songs, you know, because she's very big into those right now. I, said, ah, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And I, I spent a, a couple of minutes trying to talk her into it and I'm like, fine, well, we won't go. And then I struggled with being passive aggressive towards my five-year-old daughter the rest of the day, you know? <laughs> I thought better of it, and I said, I'll just leave that to the way I treat her mom, you know? So it's just to be a mom thing. Just kidding. Just kidding, not kidding. Pray for me. Pray for Amanda, really. Pray for Amanda. Pray for Amanda. So by the afternoon, though, sweet little Annabeth had changed her mind, and she decided that she wanted to go to the dance, and so I was secretly kind of happy. I acted like it wasn't a big deal, but I was secretly kind of happy because I have been feeling real sentimental towards her, and we get all dressed up, and I would say we put on our Sunday best, but obviously we did something better than that, you know? I wore a tie and a jacket and dress shoes, and she had on this black velvet little dress and sparkly tights and her little black Mary Jane shoes and her little big headband and her bow. And we took pictures out in the front yard. And we got in the car and we get to the dance and you can hear the music going on inside. And we walk over to the, to the door and she peeks in and she looks up at me and she goes, I don't want to go. I'm like, what do you mean you don't want to go? She's like, I don't want to go. I don't like it. I'm like, man, Annabeth, we will remember this forever. At least I will. Please. <laughs> please, please, let's go in. It'll be so fun. I promise we don't have to stay long. Just please come in with me. She said, no, I'm not going in. And I didn't want to argue with her, and I didn't, sure didn't want to drag her into the daddy-daughter dance. That, doesn't, that wasn't how I pictured it. So we came back home and had peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. It's not a big deal. I'm going to shake that off in a couple of weeks, you know. <laughs> but I, I do want to be honest with you. Um, I, I did, on the way home from the, the dance that we didn't go to, I thought, is this what it's going to be like when she's 15? Ten years from now, is, is she not going to want to do things with me? And right now it's just because she's five and she can be a brat and she doesn't know. But what if it's real then? What if, what if she really doesn't want to spend time with me and honestly started hanging around my neck? I know that sounds so crazy, but it did. You've got something hanging around your neck today. You can't explain it. You don't know why it's a burden. You maybe even know that you shouldn't be carrying it, but nonetheless, here it is with you today. Now imagine, if you think what you are carrying is heavy, put yourselves into the shoes of the Lord Jesus Christ, who was staring at the cross, 
who knew ahead of time what awaited him. He would prophesy to his disciples, the son of man is going to be lifted up. Chief priests and the Pharisees, they're coming after me. I know what's going to happen. Imagine knowing that. Imagine imagining the, the physical toll that the crucifixion would have on you. It would be enough for at least this man to go, I don't think I can endure that. But that wasn't all Jesus had hung around his neck. He, he had all of the secrets in this room. Every one of them, to, from the left to the right, to the front to the back, every secret in our hearts and mind, every twisted up, broken thought, all that sin hung around the neck of the Son of God. And he had to endure. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Not because he deserved it, but because you and I deserved it. But God loved us so much and Jesus loved you so much that he said, I will be the forsaken one so you can be brought in. He had all that hanging around his neck. And what does it say? All that shame, all that weight. It says he despised the shame. And for the joy that set before him, see, the miracle of endurance is that there is a joy that can overwhelm the weight around your neck today. You may have walked in with a burden, and it may be heavy, 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 heavy. And listen, I'm going to be so honest with you, and I know we're at church and we're not good, not a good place for honesty, but honestly, you may leave with that burden. There may not be a big magic wand powerful prayer that I can muster up to fix you. You may have come with a burden and you may leave with a burden, but I promise you the miracle of endurance is you can leave with a burden and joy. That's the miracle of endurance. See, it rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. Everyone has to endure. But our birthright, our birthright as the people of God is we endure, but we can endure with the kind of joy that overwhelms the shame and it overwhelms the heaviness. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. His endurance with us and for us is the platform and the foundation of our endurance with him. What is joy? Just joy, just happiness? It is happiness. But it's happiness that's rooted in heaven. It's happiness that's rooted in faith and hope and love. It's not happiness that springs up out of whatever situation we're in. And you need joy. Because if you don't have joy, you won't have endurance. You won't. And and maybe some of you had a big New Year's resolution. I'm going to read through the Bible this year. And you got into it and there wasn't a lot of joy. And you already quit. I'm a prophet. No, that's what happens when you try to do something and endure something where there is no joy. If you've been coming to church for a while and there's just no joy here in this room for you, you may come for a few more months, but eventually you'll move on and this will just be something you look back to on that season where you went to church for a while. If there's no joy, because when you don't have joy, you can't have endurance. So you gotta find your joy Maybe like, well, I can't find any joy. I, I want to show you a, a picture. Acts chapter 16. And this is where we'll close. Acts chapter 16. 
The Apostle Paul is in a town called Philippi, which according to our measurements, it's not too far from where the Colossians lived. And he's walking through the market, just kind of minding his own business. And there's a, a slave girl, a young slave girl, who was possessed by a demon. And that demon gave her the ability to tell the future. See, there are things in this world that are just shams and just hoaxes, but there are also supernatural things. And that supernatural power doesn't come from God. It comes from somewhere else, and that's why we want to be careful. And so this girl had a supernatural power because of this demon. And she's following Paul around, and she's just screaming out these things in the middle of the public. And, and the Scripture says that Paul got annoyed, which you can try to use to justify any kind of annoyance you have this week. It says, out of his annoyance, he cast out this demon in this girl. And it worked. The demon left her. Well, when the demon left her, she lost the ability to tell the future because she was a slave girl. Her owners were not too happy about that because she was making them a lot of money. So those owners, they started stirring up the crowd. They grabbed Paul and his friend Silas and they drag him into court. They beat him. They beat him and they beat him and they beat him. And this is what it says in verse 23. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. And about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. And when the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your whole household. And we read that and a couple of miracles just immediately jump out at us, don't they? It's a great earthquake, conveniently. And that convenience undoes the, uh, undoes the, the bonds of Paul and Silas. They're free. The prison doors open up. You can even see another miracle in the fact that none of the prisoners escaped. Another miracle was that the jailer when he realized what happens, he immediately rushes in to Paul and Silas and says, what do I need to do to be saved? Don't you wish it was that easy for the people that you care about? They're just going to call you today and go, hey, I've been thinking, what do I need to do to be saved? It's a miracle. There are a lot of obvious miracles in this story, but I want to show you the unseen miracle. Verse 25, and about midnight in prison, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. The miracle of endurance right here, clearly seen in Paul and Silas. See, most of us are thinking, well, man, I could pray and I could sing if I didn't have these chains, if I didn't have these burdens, if I had a, if it was a just decimal point change in my paycheck, man, I would sing and pray as much as possible. If I had a bigger retirement account, if I had any retirement account, I would pray and sing. If my kids would just make the decisions that I, 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 I desperately want them to make, then I could pray and sing. If my marriage was better, if my husband was better, if my wife was better, I could pray and sing. If work was better, if I had a job that I actually liked, I could pray and sing. The miracle of endurance is that you can pray and sing, not after the chains, but in the chains. Anybody can praise and pray after the burdens are gone. The true sign of endurance 
The true sign of perseverance is can you find a song when you're still in your bonds, when those things are still hanging around your neck? And if you're in a season today where you would describe it as perseverance, enduring one foot in front of the other, you have your game plan, pray and sing. Are you kidding me? That sounds like the worst church answer ever, doesn't it? Amen. Pray and sing. But you pray. You've got to put away all the churchy prayers. You pull out the Gethsemane prayers. Where Jesus, when he was staring at the cross, getting ready to endure the cross, where does he go? He goes to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And he prays deep prayers. In deep prayer, you can find your joy in the midst of endurance. And sing. Put away the regular songs. Pull out the songs of praise. And you may be like, well, I don't have any songs to sing. This season is too tough. This race that I'm on, there are too many obstacles, there are too many hurdles. Well, you have at least one song to sing. His steadfast love endures forever. Listen, honestly, you may not have any other songs to sing. You may look around your life and it may be awful but you can sing that song. So go home, think out your story, write out your story, and just every other line, just insert the phrase, his steadfast love endures forever. When I was diagnosed with cancer, his steadfast love endures forever. When my kids made that decision, his steadfast love endures forever. When my marriage fell apart, his steadfast love endures forever. When there's a big question mark over my life, his steadfast love endures forever. We all have that song, and we start singing that song with our chains still on, with our burden still around our neck, we can find joy. We put away the churchy prayers, start pulling out the deep prayers. With our chains still on, and the burdens around our neck, we can find joy in the perseverance. So the miracle today is, you came with a burden, you may leave with a burden, but you leave with a burden and joy. Let's pray. God, we're grateful for grateful for miracles that are not obvious. We thank you for the miracle of endurance. Thank you for your word to the Colossians. You want to strengthen us with strength today and empower us with power for endurance and patience with joy. So God, we just ask one request of you today. Give us joy. If you don't give us anything else today, make us happy. Not because anything changed, but because we found a song and we found a prayer in the middle of our chains. In Jesus' name, amen.